one of the things that I've been advocating about recently is the fact that like a lot of these big wigs and corporations are diversity and inclusion, diversity and inclusion. They're such hot and trendy words. But my question is, is that when you guys go out to a business lunch or you bring your VIPs in, do you go to the standard same cafe sandwich place or do you actually venture out? Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Ashley Vinson, and today on the podcast, we have two important guests talking about Elevation, a grassroots organization dedicated to supporting and increasing the visibility of the Asian American Pacific Islander community. One of our guests, Alexa, may sound familiar to you all, and that's because she's a rock star guest and has been on Bridge the City before. And fun fact, she's also part of another episode coming down the road. So she's an expert Bridge the City guest. Both of our guests today and the entire Elevation organization is truly exemplifying Bridge the City's mission as they continuously bring the Asian community together to support ideas, businesses, and each other. Before we dig in, we have exciting events coming up. This week alone, we have two events. That's right. We are hosting or co-hosting two on-the-table events this Thursday, October 10th from 6 to 8 p.m. That's right. That means that we're competing against each other, but that also means that you all have ample opportunity to help bridge the city. Learn more at Greater Milwaukee Foundation, New Milwaukee, or Bridge the City's website. We also have November right around the corner. I know you must be thinking it's just October, but we're already planning ahead. In November, we have another political open mic. It's actually the last one of 2019. So more information to come, but definitely mark that on your calendar. It's November 13th. And if you're not tired of us by then, join us the next day on November 14th for PodFest MKE at No Studios. More information to come. And finally, if you're enjoying the podcast and like what we're doing, please rate and subscribe from wherever you get your podcast. It helps other Milwaukeeans find the podcast and get inspired to action. You can also support us on Patreon. We do not make any money from Bridge the City, yet we all volunteer our time and passion to Milwaukee to bring this content to you. By being a patron, your support maintains our website, equipment, events, and most importantly, our sanity. So while you're listening, hop on to Patreon and support us today. All right, all right. Without further ado, let's get to know Eric and Alexa of Elevation. Will you please introduce yourselves to our audience? Hi, my name is Alexa Alfaro. I am the co-founder of Meat on the Street with my brother, Matt. It is a Filipino restaurant and food truck in the greater Milwaukee area. And I'm Eric Kennedy. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of Elevation. Yeah, and tell me more about Elevation and how the idea started and how you all grew. Yeah, Elevation is a collective of Asian Pacific Americans in Greater Milwaukee coming together to elevate the visibility and success of our Asian community. It started back in 2017 with uh, Sherry Tran, Jessica Bowling, and Mainza Tao. And I, we formed this organic grassroots group. And so what we wanted to do is really highlight key events, key leaders, trailblazers, and pioneers that really have changed the narrative for the Asian 
and Pacific Islander community. And so there's other Asian Americans uh, leaders that are committed to changing that narrative. And we wanted to help elevate them and also support local organizations, local businesses that are are Asian owned. So within the last couple of years, it's grown and and now we are at 70 plus members throughout greater Milwaukee. There's a lot of statistics out there about diversity and, and di- diversity for us, uh, we always see how it's always focused on African-Americans, Latinos, Hispanics, and Latinx, and Asians get kind of glossed over. And so we really want to continue to elevate awareness, visibility, and also really elevate the next, next leaders in our community. Asian Americans are becoming the largest growing population of immigrants, and there's a lot of diversity within Asian Americans. So how has intersectionality and diversity within that own group played a role in Elevation? Well, one, I'm a little bit newer to the group, but it's still awesome to be a part of it. I definitely think even for me, and I am um, half Asian, I'm half Filipino. I think being a part of the group, there are so many different races of Asian that I'm not even aware of. And a big part of it is just awareness and education and then conscious knowledge and like being conscious of cultures um, is something that I've really started to push and being more aware, but also educating, you know, my staff and my friends and my family. So I would say all the different backgrounds, ethnicities, you know, we get to hear everyone's story about where they came from, where their parents came from, what it was like for their parents. I mean, some of them were in refugee camps and it was, you know, my dad grew up in poverty in the Philippines. So it's all these different stories from all these different places, but you can identify it. And I think it's nice to see how diverse our Asian group is, but also how connected we all are with our backgrounds. That's a beautiful reflection from Alexa. And to add to that is that we have very set goals in terms of we want to elevate the visibility of Asians and Pacific Islanders in the greater walking community. And whether you are uh, adopted like myself, or if you are uh, mixed, or if you are from that country or and immigrated here, the thing about that is that those are beautiful stories that we want to hear and mm-hmm. we want to support. Mm-hmm. And how can we come together and we hear about that in, in Greater Milwaukee and, and throughout different parts of the communities. How can we change the narrative to include more diversity and more accessibility, uh, more inclusion? And how can we genuinely uh, support one another? We may not agree with each other on a personal level, but what we can do as a whole is put up a great front in terms of we are here for one another. We're going to be used as a resource. And the issues or concerns or the success that you may endure or, or receive, uh, we're going to be your biggest cheerleaders. And we're also going to be your biggest advocates and, and ambassadors. And connectors. Uh, and connectors, And yeah. like connectors is huge. Yeah. 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 Tell us more about that. How have you seen the connections oh my gosh. grow? Um, one to add with what Eric was saying, the only reasonable explanation when you see more than two Asians together is that they're related. Like that is yeah. so stereotypical. <laughs> Matt and I, the only logical reason to see me and Matt on a truck would mean we're married. Like it is, it is all, and we're like, nope, nope, that's my brother. That's my sister. <laughs> like, I literally started signing our e- e- emails like co-founder siblings. Like, please make sure you read that part. You know, 
I don't think it's going to change in 2020, but we're yeah. we're determined to at least be like, really, seriously. But connection-wise, oh my gosh, connections were instantaneous. One, Eric plugged me with speaking events at Boys and Girls Club as well as Icy Stars. And I got to just go and speak to these individuals and talk about our story and just give them insight and hopefully inspire them to figure out what their journey is. And that's really cool. Giving back to the youth and our community directly is extremely important to myself and my brother. Sherry right away got Matt and I plugged into cooking at different events. One that's coming up is Battle of the Chefs that she got us into. So just like being part of different things that maybe because we're a little bit more not so formal and fine dining training, we're definitely more street food, Asian cuisine type. And that's what we want to stick to. That's what's very important to us. We don't want to change our dishes into something that we didn't grow up eating. Because we're on a different scale, we I don't think would have gotten a lot of those connections without her. Mainza has opened doors, like had us sit at a table with, um, you know, DNC caucus chairwoman Bell Leong Hung and I would have we would have never been in that room had it not been for her voicing and saying like no you guys need to be here please make time for this so all of those things are just huge for us we don't get their level of exposure and we don't get that by like not having a you just need to have a conversation just hey who are you what do you do oh this is what we're about oh this is like things that we identify over like the first elevation event that I went to was like great because it was a potluck so I was like this is amazing I want to come to all these (laughs) so we definitely like made sure to bring all of our food and cuisine and I was stuffed after that it was was awesome but that's where I got to meet everyone too and just talk and share connections yeah that's awesome so you've you've mentioned that there's now over 70 members what are you the most proud of and like how do you see it continuing to grow um, for, for me, and, and I think that for Sherry, uh, Mainza, and Jessica and I, is that uh, our, our highlight continues to be that we're elevating the visibility of the community, Asian community, is that we are uplifting and identifying different leaders like Alexa, uh, Tunson, um, and the list goes on and on, is that we are trying to uh, connect them to different initiatives, different events, and different uh, award recognitions. So, yeah. I would say proudest moments for me is just like the awareness in such a short time. Um, I've been a part of the group. I definitely think AAPI, the month of May, doing all those posts were huge because I had people come into the store saying like, this is so cool. I'm glad you guys are doing this. Like one, I was not aware. And two, like this is amazing that Milwaukee has this. The other part too is that I think as a visibility for the group grows, as more Asians immigrant here or come here maybe from countries where there is more of a support system, they can transition easier. And I think that's a big part of it too when you come to Milwaukee is being able to reach out to a group to connect you, to help you, or to make you even feel like you have, you know, like family members here. I think that's extremely important. Um, Family is huge in, I would say, almost all of the Asian cultures. We're centered around family a lot. So to be able to have that for somebody, I think is big. And I constantly all the time, like all the social media posts definitely reach people because I have people talk to me about Elevation, ask me questions, just say, oh, this is so cool. So like it definitely is being discussed and that's a part of why we do what we do. Yeah. And I think that to Alexa mentioned, uh, to your point is that um, when people move into the, the greater Milwaukee community, more and more leaders and organizations now are saying, hey, Eric, or hey, Alexa, or hey, Sherry, or hey, Mainza, or, or Jessica, I have this person that I would love to do, connect you to for elevation because he or she just moved into the area. They don't really know anyone. And I think that's it's one of those things where now, 
um, we're, we're that resource. Um, mm-hmm. And we can be that support system. Um, I really like what you said whenever moving here because people are moving to Milwaukee mm-hmm. at fast rates. And Sherry shared some stats that the U.S. Asian population grew 72% between 2000 and 2015. How has that transformed the Asian population here in, in Milwaukee? And how has that informed what you all are doing? In my opinion, it's transformed Milwaukee in the sense that like I have a lot more Asian friends now. Not that you have to be Asian to be friends with me by any means. Um, I'm from Oak Creek. I'm from the suburbs. A lot of people will be like, you're such a white girl. And I am. I'm half Italian German. So like (laughs) I fit that bill too. But like I have a lot more Asian friends now and we get to joke about really funny things together. And, you know, growing up and being part Asian and part white. I mean, you know, people will be like, are you drinking lake soup? Or like, Alexa, there's like a fish had just chilling in your fridge like that's really weird to me and like that's normal that's normal to us in our culture um so transformative wise I think it's it just is the more of us that are are in the same community and the more you see together it helps to break the stereotypes of you must be related or you must be like marriage related on some level um I think it also helps to talk about like well what is Asian exactly like how do you define Asian and what races do you think are Asian and what do you think are not because most likely you're just not educated enough because I wasn't when I first joined the group I was like whoa that means like you're Asian and you're from this country like I I did not know that so um I think that those things help transform Milwaukee and it just continues to push it forward and be progressive because when you go to Las Vegas, you go to California, you go to the West Coast. I mean, there's these heavily dominated Asian populations everywhere. I mean, it's not odd to see groups of Asians together, whether they're all Filipino or they're a mix and a blend. It's That's more normal. And here, it's not quite, but I definitely think we're moving towards that. Yeah, and I think for us in Milwaukee and, and throughout the U.S., you're starting to see more of a targeted effort to raise the visibility across the U.S. in terms of social media in terms of media through like crazy rich Asians, you see more visibility, mm-hmm. especially in Milwaukee. The firewall came to yeah, town. Yeah, the firewall mm-hmm. came into town where Milwaukee Film asked us to help raise that visibility and promotion. The other big thing for us is that in 2020, the DNC is coming here. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the Asian American Pacific Islander caucus, DNC caucus came here and the, the leader came here to really talk about how we can raise the visibility and how can we get the Asian American Pacific Islander support from the Wisconsin area to come here and and spread the word about voting as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge transformation mm-hmm. and you're starting to see targeted intentional initiatives and engagement. Uh, the transformation of the support and the, the, the commitment to re- really raise that visibility, but also we have huge advocates throughout the community that aren't Asian and that they really want to they really want us to be more engaged and they're they're really opening the doors up for elevation so we're very appreciative we continue to be humbled by that and and I think that's the transformation is that we are truly changing that narrative and we're we are role modeling what it means to do that. So, Alexa, earlier you had mentioned that you are half Filipino, mm-hmm. but also half Italian German. Mm-hmm. What has your journey been to embrace your identity and the complexities within that? So growing up in elementary school, in third grade is my earliest memory of this. Well, it probably was in kindergarten. So in kindergarten, I wore like pigtails to school and some kid in my class called me Pocahontas and I was pissed. Mm -hmm. I came home and I cried to my mom and I was so distraught. And my mom's like, 
you know, Lexa, I understood where you were coming from, where like you weren't Native American, you were your own identity. And I get that. But they were also like, she's such a strong figure. But even in that moment, you were like, no, I am who I am. So that was one of the earliest moments. It was something I didn't get. And I didn't even get being Asian at that point. You don't really understand it. I think at that young of an age in third grade is when I really started to notice it. There were two two girls, I was one of them in my class, and she was half African American and Puerto Rican, and I'm half Italian German and Filipino, they would confuse our names. And we look nothing alike. Like, (laughs) we just happen to have non Caucasian skin and dark hair. And we look nothing alike. But people would confuse us constantly in class. And like in third grade, it was annoying. I'm like, dude, how do you not know I'm Alexa? We would talk about it all the time. And as I got older, I'm like, oh my God, it's because we literally were the only non-Caucasians in our class that like you guys couldn't even separate us. So that was really strange. And then in high school, I happened to hang out with some other people that were Filipino. But like I said, we were a very Caucasian community. But in high school, you know, I kicked it with the Hmong crowd. I got along with one of them. So I got along with all of them and we had fun and we would talk about those things together. And like it was stereotypical go like oh Alexa must be good at math because she's Asian and I was since third grade I mean math is black and white so I like it it's beautiful to me in that way there's no gray area but I definitely hit those stereotypes too and like as my brothers got older it was more cool to be Asian it was cool to have like an Asian friend whether that's a positive or negative that's your own personal take on it I didn't embrace my true Filipino side like Eric said I liked the food I was all about Filipino food because we had bomb food but beyond that I had no interest in learning more until me down the street started to come about And that's really when Matt and I really started to, you know, we always said we were Filipino and that was fine. But that's when we really started to learn and like be proud and wear it differently is when the business opened. And I can't say we would have done that without the business. So it really was this whole other part. And we grew up with a dad who was like, from the Philippines, like first of his family to come over and graduate in the States and like give his children a drastically different life than he grew up with too. So we had that all growing up, but it wasn't until we got older till we really started to make the connection and realize how important it was to represent for not only our Filipino community, but our Asian community as a whole. Just because growing up, you didn't see Asian movies and Asian cartoons. And Chrissy Teigen said it best where her daughter, they were watching Crazy Rich Asians and her daughter like made a connection that, oh, they look like me on the screen. And she said the same thing, like, I didn't even get it until my child said it. And I was like, oh, yeah, duh. I don't I, I didn't get it until that moment either. But how important it is for the youth to see themselves in different roles and identities as well well as like see Caucasians and Hispanics and African Americans. So that's like kind of my journey of how it happened. And mine was definitely cuisine based. Yeah. And before I begin mine, I think that uh, as the viewers and listeners uh, listen to us and, and um, hear more about Elevation, definitely uh, reach out to Sherry Tran and, and Mainza Tao because their journeys are and how they, they came to not only Wisconsin are truly, truly inspiring, and it, it's it's a true example of um, finding a better um, opportunity in America. And uh, but for me, uh, I was adopted when I was ten months from South Korea. I I joke with my family, and and they they probably don't like it, but um, I I call myself the chosen one at, uh, when I was growing up because. My parents basically picked me out of a picture book. They adopted me, so they they had to have my brother and my sisters. But I was chosen to be adopted, so I really latched on to that and really boasted about that. And so for me, I was like I said, I was adopted for, at ten months from South Korea. I know why I was given up for adoption. So I was I was born with a cleft lip palate. So um, my birth family probably couldn't afford uh, the medical costs, 
And over the course of the 35 years that I'm at right now, I've learned to really reflect on that and, and really appreciate what my birth parents did for me because without them giving me up for adoption, I don't think I would be here. And I don't know how my life would be. So for me, my family was very big into supporting missionaries. And we had missionaries stay with us during Missionary Week. And I was very fortunate where we were very inclusive in terms of really highlighting different cultures from different countries, um, really learning about through books, through um, TV shows, through um, through food. And as I mentioned, my mom still makes the best balgogi. She would only make it for, at the beginning, uh, for my gotcha day, also for our birthdays. And my siblings really also loved it. And so sometimes when their birthdays came about, they would ask for it as well. And so over the course of the years, I really did embrace my me being Asian or Korean because um, for me, I just thought I was just a normal person. And, and I actually thought I was Caucasian. And it, because I grew up in a very middle class neighborhood where the culture was, and, and the beauty of it is that it was Caucasian based, or majority, I guess. But we also had, um, I had a lot of friends that were African American, Hispanic, Latino, Latinx. But I really didn't have any Asian friends. And I don't, and I think it's because of the neighborhood that I lived, but also. I really prided on being the token one, and I made that as more as a joke. And in and, and, um, middle school and high school, I was the only Asian in my class, and I definitely played that out. And when I could get away with different things, I would be like, oh, it's because I'm Asian, or, or you have to do it because I'm Asian. And my teachers and, and the faculty were probably, they were really, probably hated me for that. They probably didn't know what to say. <laughs> they were like, uh, okay, yeah. I, I can't yeah. really say no. Like yeah. That's why you got away with it. <laughs> and, and growing up, my family, especially my parents, were always asking and said, hey, do you want to go back to Korea as a family? Or do you want one of us to take you? Or do you want to go through adoption organization to learn more about your culture? I would just say, no, I'm fine. I, I don't want to lose out on my friends. And so for me, like, I didn't want to lose my friendships or lose out on what I was going to miss, which is probably just riding bikes, playing games, and, <laughs> and playing video games and all that. But for me, I thought that Korea was a third world country. And my parents are like, no, it's not. And so I had a gap semester. And during that year, I learned that a friend of mine from high school, I went through this Korean adoption program. And I said, I have a gap semester, I'm gonna do it. And my parents were shocked because over the course of the 10, 15 or 20 years, um, they asked me and I all said no. And so they were surprised that I wanted to do it. And, and I think that uh, looking back at it and we still talk about it a little bit, uh, they were very appreciative of it. And so I learned a little, a lot more about my culture. I also learned uh, growing up, I, I stereotyped Asians. And because I saw other Asians um, in my schools, and I, I was like, oh, that person's really good in martial arts or, or that person's really good in math <laughs> I, and science. I took martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so for me, I don't know if it's because I saw that and mm -hmm. I wanted to stay away from that completely. And I was like, I don't wanna be like that. I don't wanna fit that stereotype. Um, because people would call me slant eyes or or they would also joke around and like make the the uh, the martial arts sounds, I guess, which whatever those are. And so I was like, I don't want to be a part of that. Did you ever so, ask if you were a ninja? I got asked that a lot. No, like, are I you a ninja? I wish I did. <laughs> no, right? Because that would be amazing. <laughs> right? That's, I was like, I mean, I know Taekwondo, so I guess. Like, I don't know. I'm yeah. not going to whip out a star at you. Yeah. But like. <laughs> and the funny thing is that my family is... Um, is very intellectual so they are very uh 
they thrive in math and science. Um, a lot, my, my dad is an engineer, my oldest sister is an engineer, my brother is a, a, a firefighter, so he's really smart in math and science. My sister, my other sister is really smart in math, and she's a math teacher. My mom was an occupational therapist. So the stereotype of, of being smart in math and science uh, was definitely my family. And then there's me who just uh, got demolished in math and science. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, and I was terrible. And But the, the also the stereotypes of Asians is that they're very more introverted and very more um, they will – they won't speak up, and and they're they're they pride themselves on being more quiet, and um, I'm very uh, opposite, and I, I'm sure Alexa. All right, I know Alexa as well. So that, <laughs> I definitely think that stereotype is breaking too, like right. with the millennial generations and younger. Yeah, yeah but I definitely yeah. agree though that our you know aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpas. I mean, you were to be seen and not heard yeah. as a kid growing up in Asian communities. A lot of yeah. my friends will tell me their parents, you know, that's how they were raised. Yeah. And for me, uh, when I did this study abroad program, I learned so much about the culture. Uh, we took field trips. I learned about the language. Uh, I learned Taekwondo. And I realized that uh, not all Asians, because there were Chinese, Japanese um, people from East India, uh, from Korea, from all parts of Asia that uh, went to this university. And me, thinking very negatively and ignorantly, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna meet a bunch of people that are only uh, passionate about like math and science and, and video games and all that fun stuff. And, and I learned that there were people just like me. And I really uh, be became more humbled by that situation. And when I came back and moved to Wisconsin, um, I realized that um, there are so many other Korean adoptees and, and domestic adoptees and, and international adoptees and foster to, to adopt that adoptees that, um, that were just like me in terms of they were adopted. But also I met other Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders that were just like me. Uh, and I really embraced my, I started to embrace it more and more because I also started seeing how um, our community, the Greater Walking community, wasn't really including uh, the Asian community um, in terms of diversity or inclusion initiatives, and and really wondering why why was I one of maybe four or six people at an event? Because you always do look around an event and be like, oh, I'm the token Asian, or I'm it's just Alexa and I at this event. Why is that? Like, what? Where's where's the rest of the community? And so we started realizing and. And through over the course of the years, um, especially in Wisconsin, um, I, I feel like um, it's a call to action. And it's a call to duty for for Sherry, Mainza, Jessica, and I, and, especially, and now Alexa and many others, is that we want to help continue to raise that visibility. And, and we're very passionate about it. Yeah, and when you were talking, I'm like, okay, like this is great, you're connecting, you're building. And how, if you're listening to this, can you get plugged into Elevation? So you can find us on Facebook, um, or you, you can just reach out to one of us on, on Facebook, or go to Meet on the Street, or uh, if you support the Milwaukee Wave, uh, look up Tons and Rampa. And so the great thing is that we're, we are really everywhere. Because our, our backgrounds or our careers are so mm -hmm. diverse, yeah. yes, which is, which is awesome. Um, yeah, we cover a lot of ground. But yeah, yeah, Facebook is the best way. Yeah, social media. Reach out to any one of us on social media for whatever you may or may not need. And 
maybe we have an answer to your question. Maybe we don't, but we'll at least help you. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. And our final question as we wrap up, Bridge the City is all about action steps and how listeners and community members can tangibly get involved. So obviously they can get involved directly with you and Elevation, but what are some other ways that you have found in Milwaukee to be part of this community in a in a proactive way. One of the things that I've been advocating about recently is the fact that like a lot of these big wigs and corporations are diversity and inclusion, diversity and inclusion. They're such hot and trendy words. But my question is, is that when you guys go out to a business lunch or you bring your VIPs in, do you go to the standard same cafe sandwich place or do you actually venture out and take, you know, them to the local Asian place that you really like, regardless of where it is? Like, do you actually include diversity and inclusion in all aspects or just like placing people in there? So that the picture uh, fits like what you're representing. So that's one actionable I'm about is, you know, go ahead and support your local Asian whatever, whether they make food, whether they're, you know, a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, go and support their local business. Um, the other one too is just one being conscious, um, culturally conscious of the different Asian cultures as well as um, the Asian community as a whole. And then, you know, just being conscious of what you're doing and how you're representing that. And lastly, go support a film, go watch, you know, go listen to some music. There's a bunch of things on Netflix too. If you don't want to leave your room, follow Ali Wong. She's freaking hilarious. I mean, just go and like do these like cool trendy things. Um, there's a million places in Chicago as well as Milwaukee that do really cool different Asian festivals and events and just find them on social media and bring your friends that maybe wouldn't go and go, go do it, go support, go put money into that community. I think for me, it's really a couple of things is stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, that's, some of the community initiatives that Alexa has been a part of through uh, her food truck is that she's been able to be a part of different festivals, different events that are throughout Greater Milwaukee. And, and that's the great thing about Greater Milwaukee is that there's so many different parts of the community that are hidden gems, or they shouldn't even be hidden gems, but uh, those are opportunities to really create that awareness and learn more about the culture and, and that community and why uh, those individu individuals that do business or live there uh, are passionate about being there. Um, so stepping outside your comfort zone. The other thing is, as Alexa alluded to, is removing your, your lens to embrace change, mm -hmm. to understand others, and to be less judgmental. Awesome. Thank you again for joining us, and we're very excited to have you here. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to and continuing to support Bridge the City and for taking action to build the Milwaukee community we love. A quick reminder that we have a several events coming up. We have two this week. Ben will be leading our On the Table event with City Year, College Possible, and Public Allies. There, guests will engage in conversations around the importance of and future of national service. At the same time, right across the street actually, I will be with New Milwaukee discussing topics related to making Milwaukee a stronger community for everyone. Panelists even include several Bridge the City guests, including Eric Kinney, who you just heard from, and Angela Lang. Find out more on our website. Thank you to Eric and Alexa for taking time out of their schedules to learn more about their organization. Eric reached out to Bridge the City for this episode. As always, you too can connect with us to share ideas for episodes and guests through any social media platform or directly at bridgethecitypodcast at gmail.com. We always appreciate learning about cool things going on in the city, how action steps are being incorporated, and other ways you're helping bridge the city. Bridge the city, whoa.